Hello there, I am Natalia Mello, and you're listening to the English Habit School podcast. English and the Bible, information and transformation. Hello, hello there, dear friends. I'm Mo Sena for the English Sabbath School podcast. Lesson 7 for Friday, August 11th. Can you believe it? Today's title, it's Friday. You know it, don't you? Say it with me. Come on, say it with me. One, two, three. Further thought. Yes, further thought. And we're going to be reviewing and meditating about what we studied this week about the importance, the very great importance of the unified body of Christ. So let us go. And the lesson invites us to open our Bibles. Yes, there are two notes to help us to expand our study of Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. So let us review Ephesians chapter 4, verse um, 7 uh, through 10. Uh, and then we're going to be checking also Uh, these two notes. So I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the International Version, but please feel free to use any translation that you prefer. Um, Ephesians 4, 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay, so the first note is the following. Translating Ephesians 4.9, some translations indicate that the descent occurs before the ascent. For example, the New King James Version says, He also first descended. It's also in the King James Version, the RSV, ESV, NASB. But other translations follow the Greek text more closely, leaving the issue of the timing of the ascent and descent open. For example, the NIV says, What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Which allows for the view expressed in Tuesday's study that the narrative order of Psalm 68.18 should be followed with Christ's exaltation to heaven, the ascent occurring first, followed by his descent in the spirit. Opening a parenthesis here, I understand this point, but why can't it be that Jesus descended to earth, he died, he went into the grave, went into Hades, and brought along with him the captives of death into victory and resurrected life, and then he ascended. I don't see a problem with that, but... What do I know, right? Now, second point. Leading captivity captive. In quoting Psalm 68.18 from the Greek Old Testament, called the Septuagint, it's an ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament. Paul uses a phrase in Ephesians 4.8 that reads literally, he took captive captivity. Reflected in some translations, for example, King James Version, New King James Version, New Revised Standard Version, but which is widely affirmed to mean he took as prisoners a group of capt captives, as reflected in the ESV, NASB, NIV, etc. So, uh, Seventh-day Adventists have often understood the phrase to refer to Christ's act of taking back with him to heaven 
at his ascension, those raised in a special resurrection at the time of his own resurrection. These constitute a wave sheaf, first fruits, first fruits of the redeemed, that he presents to the Father on his return to the courts of heaven. Uh, it's also quoting the, um, the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary and the Desire of Ages. Alternatively, in line with Colossians 2.15, the passage could be taken as a picture of Christ's conquer over his foes, Satan and his evil angels, who are portrayed as defeated captives. So let us see here Ephesians 4.8. In the NIV it says, This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. The King James Version uh, says the following, Ephesians 4.8, Wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Yes, it's not very clear, but here uh, the NIV makes it very clear, right? And Colossians 2.15 says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And uh, that's from the KJV. And the NIV says the following, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Yes, that's one of the reasons why I prefer the NIV, because it's much clearer, the translation. And again, the King James Version is an amazing translation, but it was translated 500 years ago, and lots of new um, documents have been found, new accuracy, new developments of language translation, has de science about translations has developed. So, of course, let us take advantage of that so that we can improve our translation. And those of you who can read classical biblical Greek, go for it, knock yourselves out. But no matter what translation, the idea is this, that Christ triumphed. What else? And we must be united. United we stand. Divided, we fall. It's a spiritual law. Yes, I'm quoting the bonus song earlier on Monday, right? But here we have the discussion questions. Compare the list of spiritual gifts in Ephesians 4.11 with the list in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4. What differences and similarities do you observe? So let us see Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. So these are some spiritual gifts given to the church. Now let us see 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. 1 Corinthians 12, 
Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And Romans 12, 4 through 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have this, all the same function, so in Christ we, through many, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And 1 Peter 4, 10, 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So faithful stewards as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So here, what differences and similarities did you observe? Pause the audio, read again, write them down. That's how we studied the lesson. In class, talk about some of the winds of doctrine blowing in the church today. Notice how Paul says that we should not be blown about by these winds. What are specific ways that we can help protect ourselves and others in the church from the damage that these winds can inflict upon us? And Paul stresses through Ephesians the theme of unity. But do we seek unity at all costs? In other words, at what point can the desire for unity become counterproductive? Discuss. Very interesting questions, right? Well, this is the end of Lesson 7 for Friday, August 11th. For more information, please contact us on Facebook or Instagram, Believes UNESP. Tell our friends about our podcast, available on any podcast platform. Rate us with five stars, pretty please, so that more people may discover us. And remember, tomorrow is the Holy Sabbath, a day of rest, of joy, the world's day of gladness. Go to a local church. Don't stay by yourself. Seek fellowship and together worship the head, Jesus Christ our Lord, and be blessed as you are a blessing to others. And thank you, my friends, for listening, for praying, and for sharing our podcast. May the Lord guide you and grant you a wonderful Sabbath.